You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. everybody. Buongiorno, buenos dias, ni hao, konnichiwa, motherfuckers. Welcome, one and all, to Abakabu Cafe Podcast. This is the English language Kimagare Orange Road Podcast on the whole internet. I want to thank you for joining me today, because today we're doing a deep dive analysis of our beloved protagonist, the wishy-washy goofball, Kasuga Kyosuke. Now, for a long time, I thought of Kasuga as a kind of a dull everyman stand-in for the audience. He was meant to be unremarkable, and yet he still manages to make the smartest, most talented, capable, and beautiful character in the entire series fall in love with him. That's kind of a head-scratcher for me. I used to think that this was unrealistic, you know, given Casca's personal qualities as well as the real-world dynamics surrounding highly desirable romantic partners like Ayukawa. Surely, she would have much better romantic prospects to choose from than Kasuga, right? But over the last several years, I have changed my tune. I've come to appreciate Kasuga's characterization as nuanced and supremely well-realized. He has a particularly tough row to hoe. The audience must identify with him, so he has to be mostly a sympathetic character that we can root for, but he also has to juggle two women, which can invite condemnation from an audience. We don't always like characters that cheat, especially when the characters that he's juggling are as beloved as Ayukawa and Shikaru are. Kasuga is also a primary source of comedy for Orange Road, which probably helps his likability. You know, he makes us laugh a lot of times. He is a goofball, like I said earlier, so it helps us to like him, but it doesn't necessarily help make him seem like a realistic love interest for someone like Ayukawa. But over the course of today's podcast, I'm going to discuss why I believe the character of Kasuga Kyosuke is a stroke of genius and how it is that he functions so well within the Orange Road narrative using specific examples from the entirety of the anime media. 
For the sake of this analysis, I'm not going to delve into any of the details from the manga. We haven't discussed the manga on this podcast yet, although that is coming. But for today's analysis of Kasuga, we're going to stick to the anime piece of the franchise. Now, foremost, Kasuga is often described as indecisive, as if he can't make up his mind between which girl he wants to be with. Does he want to be with Ayukawa or does he want to be with Shikaru? Now, as early as episode 15, Kasuga is characterized as facing a legitimate dilemma in choosing between the girls. Kurumi and Manami in that episode press him to choose whose photo he likes more, Ayukawa's or Shikaru's, and that functions to put him in the hot seat, right? In his subsequent voiceover at the very end of that episode, he claims that he can't possibly decide between Ayukawa and Shikaru. For another example, we can look to episode 25, Early in that episode, we see Kasuga having a tremendously hard time deciding between coffee or milk with his breakfast, as if he can't have both. It's breakfast, you can just have both. This is meant to show us that Kasuga is indecisive to a fault. We're supposed to think, if he can't decide what to have for breakfast, how could he possibly make a big decision, like which girl he wants to be with? As a final example, there's a scene from the third OVA, I was a cat, I was a fish, in which Kasuga, having swapped souls with Jingoro, is being beckoned by both Shikaru and Ayukawa, who are trying to entice Kasuga as a cat to decide which girl would he like to be his owner. Like the other examples I mentioned, this is meant as kind of a small-scale symbol of the broader conflict within the show. Kasuga, as a cat, has both girls begging him to come with them, to choose them, and he can't decide which one to go with. Both girls are being as cute as they can be in this instance, and even using a bit of sexuality, which honestly would have zero sway over a cat. Like you're, you're trying to get a cat to choose you as as its owner, so you're going to show it some cleavage? That doesn't make any sense, but it certainly would entice a 16-year-old boy. So neither Shikaru nor Ayukwa knew that it was Kasuga inside Jingaro in that moment. So like the emphasis on their sexual potential is meant as a reminder of the perks of committing to one of them. For us, the audience, a reminder for us. But it's also meant to show that Kasuga has a sexual attraction to both girls, which exacerbates his inability to choose. Choosing one girl brings with it the promise of sexual exploration. He'll get to do all the sexy things that he wants to do as a teenager with raging hormones. But having one girl means giving up the prospect of sex with the other. We're operating under the presumption that he cannot have sex with them both. So maybe we're supposed to believe that Kasuga spends the majority of the show locked between both women, his attraction to each repelling him from the other and vice versa. You could read this as an indication of his lack of experience, and I think given his age and non-existent romantic history, this isn't a crazy reading of his character. It might be more of a stretch, but not outside the realm of possibility, uh, to consider that possibly Kasuga is deliberately avoiding a choice that will commit him to one girl because it means definitively giving up the other. This is like he wants to have his cake and eat it too kind of reading. Like the uncertainty principle, as he has not decided upon one girl, he's in a superposition, a state of uncertainty where he is with neither, but also kind of with both. There's a possibility that he enjoys that superposition, that state where he is essentially dating both women. And Kasuka seems to have some understanding that he is 
the object of each girl's affection. The wanting to have his cake and eat it too reading takes a more cynical view of Costco because it presumes that he mostly knows what he's doing and that he's prioritizing himself over both girls, that he cares more about his own enjoyment of dating two very attractive, very desirable women than the feelings of guilt or jealousy or insecurity that he's putting them through. So he's putting his own enjoyment over the negative feelings that they experience. And there is a little bit of evidence that Kasuga does enjoy his privileged position with each girl. In episode 17, he spends the day teleporting between the library where he's studying with Ayukua and then teleporting back to the pool to be with Shikaru so that he can spend time with both of them. Notably, in that episode, he notices both girls' bodies. Take some time to look at both girls. I mean, Shikaru's wearing a bikini. Ayukua, well, Kasuga notices her cleavage. Also in episode 32, Kasuga imagines Shikaru and Ayukua fighting over him in some odd kind of Fist of the North Star, Road Warrior, post-apocalyptic kind of daydream, which would also seem to indicate that he kind of, you know, he knows that they oppose each other a little bit where he's concerned. And um, maybe he kind of enjoys the idea that they're that they're competing for him. Now, despite this evidence, I don't actually think that the right reading is that Kasuga is an intentional manipulator. I think it's giving him too much credit. It's obvious over the course of the story that he's really not capable of long cons and manipulation. When things work out for Kasuga, it's due to dumb luck, not his own careful planning and machinations, so much so that I've come to believe that Kasuga's extreme good fortune is actually a subtle part of his power set. The truth about Kasuga is that he's actually a people pleaser. He understands that both girls like him and that both want to spend time with him. Their relationships with him are meaningful to them, and Kasuga gets that. Because likewise, he values his relationship with each girl. And because of this, he has a real difficulty saying no. I don't view that as indecisive per se, but it would seem that way to others, to someone like his sister's. Kasuga is empathetic. We see that on display in episode 21 when he spends the day with Kumiko. He can't say no to her. He doesn't even know this girl, but he can't say no to her. He sees her tears and he recognizes that there's something going on with her. He doesn't know quite what, but he recognizes her emotional state. He doesn't want to have sex with her. He doesn't fantasize about her. He understands that he's in a compromising position, but it's his recognition of her emotional state. He doesn't want to blow her off. So he lets himself get roped into that situation. That's the thing about being a people pleaser. He doesn't want to be the cause of emotional pain for people, even strangers like Kumiko, which is why he went along with her. And then in the next episode, episode 22, he goes along with Yukari on her date, whatever she takes him on that day, going out to see a movie and stuff. Akasuka does not want to hurt Shikaru, but he does want to be with Ayukawa. Kasuga doesn't want to upset Ayukawa by hurting Shikaru, which he believes would be the case if he were to dump Shikaru, particularly early on in the series. The problem with being a people pleaser isn't so much that he puts his own needs on the back burner, but it's that one of his needs is to avoid the emotional pain that is inevitable for Shikaru. He doesn't want it to hurt, but also he doesn't want to be the cause of her hurt. Avoiding it doesn't make it go away, though. 
arguably it only makes it worse. I mean, the breakup that we see in I Want to Return to That Day has to be far worse than a breakup that would have occurred around episode three or four. So even though I don't think Kasuga is deliberately trying to have his cake and eat it too with the girls, by being afraid to hurt Shikaru, he's kicking the can down the road. He's avoiding doing something hard. And that's essentially self-serving, despite his high degree of empathy. Thus, a major component of Kasuga's arc throughout Orange Road is to realize that life presents us with hard choices and difficult situations, and the direct route through might be tough, but it's usually best for all involved. We see clear evidence that breaking Shikaru's heart in I Want to Return to That Day is painful for Kasuga. He hated hurting her. He hated ignoring her pain at the end of the film as it rained on her, knowing that he could have given her an umbrella. It seemed cruel to us as the viewer that he couldn't even give her an umbrella. He had to let her just sit there and get soaked, and it clearly felt horrible for him too. My opinion is that Kasuga will probably never stop being a people pleaser. It's a major aspect of who he is. In episode 28, Kasuga comes to understand and empathize with his sister Manami's burden of domestic responsibilities, and to atone for his earlier disregard, he rushes home to do all her chores for her. In that same episode, when Kurumi attempts to cook dinner in Manami's absence, at first, Kasuga balks. But when his criticisms of her cooking bring her to tears, he instantly recognizes this and proceeds to devour the meal that Kurumi made, despite the actual physical pain it causes him due to its capsaicin content. It was super spicy. She had no idea what she was doing. She made it so hot, but he wolfed it down anyway because... He didn't want to hurt his sister's feelings. When he came to understand how invested she was in that meal and what it meant to her to feed Kasuga and their father Takashi, he wolfed it down and he didn't care what it did to his tongue. So I think Kasuga will probably always act this way. And the subtle distinction that Kasuga is not indecisive, he just has a very hard time saying no, I think has crucial narrative consequences. The characterization is a source of comedy, like when he's aggressively pounding Kurumi's super spicy stew and it just ruins his voice for the rest of the episode. But more importantly, this characterization helps Kasuga to remain sympathetic. The audience can still root for him, even when he's juggling these two innocent girls that are quite popular with the audience as well. We can still root for Kasuga because we know he's got a good heart. We know that he doesn't want to hurt anybody. We know that he's not in this for himself and that he's not overly self-serving. All of those examples I gave a few minutes ago about Kasuga having difficulty deciding between Ayukawa and Shikaru, they're all misdirection. Kasuga wanted to be with Ayukawa from the moment he met her on the 100 stairs. That decision was made when he caught her hat. Kasuga consistently demonstrates that while he finds Shikaru cute, he's attracted to her. He wants to be with Ayukawa. He prioritizes his time with Ayukawa over Shikaru consistently throughout the show, as early as episode three, when he accidentally blows off Shikaru to spend the day with Ayukawa. Gets himself in a little bit of trouble in that episode, too. In episode 13, he calls Shikaru by Ayukawa's name when they're out at a concert. In episode 15, Kasuga ignores Shikaru, even leaving her at dinner so he could go call Ayukawa. He just bounces. He says he's got to use the restroom, and he just leaves the restaurant 
so he could go to a payphone and give Ayuko a call because she is on his mind even as he's sitting there next to Shikaru. At the end of episode 17, he blows off Shikaru and the others to go meet Ayuko at Abakabu. And in episode 45, this is a big one, Kasuga wishes for Shikaru to get sick so that he can be alone with Ayuko. Importantly, in that episode, he doesn't want to spend time with Shikaru and Ayukua. He wants Shikaru out of the picture so it can be just him and Ayukua. There are undoubtedly many more examples like this. I think I could go on and on, but it's clear that Kasuga wants to be with Ayukua. So again, Kasuga's empathy, his people-pleasing, it serves to keep him in a sympathetic light. It keeps him roped along and roped into this relationship with Shikaru that I don't think he really wants. It allows the audience, us, to root for the guy, even as he's stringing along Shikaru, even as he's ignoring her or just straight up pointing at this guy and saying, what is that? I can't believe he pulled that trick. He points at this guy. What the hell is that? And then when she turns, he bolts, teleports out of there in favor of spending time with Ayukawa. So I think that explains the depth and nuance of Kasuga's so-called indecisiveness and It's important narrative function, but there are several other aspects of Kasuga's character that are notable. Kasuga is often depicted as rather cowardly. He doesn't have the physical abilities of Yusaku, for instance. He often cowers when Yusaku is about to strike him. On the contrary, however, Kasuga has a unique brand of confidence. Chiefly, he's not afraid of Ayukua like everyone else is at the beginning of the series. He doesn't know who he's dealing with, to put it bluntly, because he contradicts her during their first meeting on the 100 stairs. And then later in that episode, he puts out her cigarette at the end of episode one. He approaches her at school and speaks to her when no one else does. In episode two, he claps for her when no one else does, when she finishes her gymnastic routine. Dead silence in the gym, except Koska. He claps for her. It shows that he's willing to be her friend regardless of social pressures. doesn't matter what everybody else thinks about Ayukawa. It's an early indication of Kasuga's future loyalty. I'm of the personal opinion that Kasuga's initial attitude toward Ayukawa is actually something that attracts Ayukawa from the outset. I think she appreciated that he was from out of town, so he didn't know about her reputation. And that's why he wasn't scared of her initially. When he met her, he was willing to argue with Madoka the pick, about the number of stairs he just counted, right? Larger guys than Casca, more imposing figures than Casca, would have immediately agreed that there were only 99 steps and that they must have miscounted. Now, Ayuko mentions that he must be from out of town. And when he asks, she says that he has an accent, which might be true. It might be true that he has an accent that she was able to pick up. But also perhaps she surmises that he's from out of town because He doesn't seem to be familiar with her bad girl reputation. Otherwise, would he have argued with her about the number of steps and then joked with her about splitting the difference? He seems so easy with her from the get-go. I think Kasuga's persistence in his early attempts to be Ayuko's friend at school also endeared him to her. If he didn't have a bit of confidence with Ayuko, I don't think Kasuga would have been able to get past Ayuko's standoffish exterior. She doesn't have a ton of friends. She's got even fewer close friends. And it's not because Ayuko is not a wonderful person. I think all of us as viewers love Ayuko. 
We're going to talk more about her in a future episode of this podcast. But for Kasuga, as an outsider, to become so close with her so quickly, it's not because he has pop star good looks like Hayako Mitsuru, but it's because of his attitude towards her. Now, with all of that said, Kasuga also has an insecurity, one big one. He has imposter syndrome. He's not sure how he fits into Ayuko's personal life, especially at the beginning of the series, because to him, it seems like it's all discos and gangs and drinking and smoking and stabbing people with guitar picks. She's like this super cool bad girl, and he frankly doesn't think he can keep up with that. He's also tremendously insecure about a maturity gap that he initially perceives between them. Ayuko is sophisticated. She's affluent. Her family's got money. Have you seen her house? She's worldly. She's cultured. She is effortlessly an incredible musician and athlete with amazing grades. On the other hand, Kasuga's kind of a goof. He's clumsy. He's always tripping over something and landing in a mop bucket. His grades are unremarkable. He doesn't have her skills with music or art or anything. He doesn't have her passion. So, Because she has this air of sophistication and maturity around her, he presumes that she has all of this life experience. He focuses especially on a sexual or romantic experience that he himself lacks. Therefore, another major aspect of Casca's arc is to get to know the real Ayukua and to become more comfortable with her. And I think that means becoming more comfortable with himself. The episodes that really help illuminate his insecurities are episode five, in which Ayukawa essentially propositions Kasuga at the end of the episode. Her request to spend the night is at once both alluring to Kasuga, who would very much like for her to spend the night, but also activates his insecurity because it makes him wonder if this is standard behavior for her. Does she ask every guy if she can spend the night at their houses? Another episode to look at is episode seven, Because this episode confronts his insecurities head on and reveals them to Ayukua. She becomes aware of his insecurities in this episode. It is in episode 7 that she comes to realize that Kasuga has the wrong idea about her. She has to inform him in that episode that she doesn't go around asking boys to spend the night at their houses all the time. Kasuga's insecurities persist for a good portion of the series in episode 11 Kasuga sees Ayukua's future brother-in-law dropping her off at school and presumes she's dating him because he's like this mature older guy. He doesn't even really need any actual evidence, although he does see a ring on her finger. So he's got a little bit of evidence there. In episode 22, Kasuga sees Ayuko with her cousin Shu, and Kasuga presumes that she's dating him because, again, he's this kind of sophisticated, cool, older dude. In episode 30, Kasuga is worried Ayukua has fallen for Hayami, the soccer star, because Hayami is handsome, athletic, and all the other girls like him. Why wouldn't Ayukua? It's clear that Kasuga gets rattled if he sees Ayukua with a certain kind of guy who is either sophisticated and cool or handsome and athletic. These are qualities that he feels like he lacks. So he's insecure about these, and he doesn't think he can measure up to these other guys that he perceives as potential romantic options for Ayukawa. He wonders how he could ever compete with guys like those. Kasuga's insecurity over Ayukawa's preference diminishes 
until about the last third or so of the series, at which time he really seems to be more or less over that issue. I wasn't really able to find any instances past episode 30 of Kasuga getting kind of insecure about whether or not Ayukawa likes somebody else or is dating somebody else. By the end of the, the series, that piece of his arc is more or less finished. So, you know, we take it as a given that Kasuga is not strikingly good looking. He's certainly not athletic. He's not particularly driven to succeed at school, nor is he anything that we could remotely consider sophisticated. It begs the question, how does he manage to land Ayukawa in the first place? I mean, sure, her future brother-in-law and her cousin Shu, those weren't really options. They're relatives after all. Kasuga didn't know that, but they're not options for Ayukawa that she would consider dating. But Japan is full of options for Ayukawa. Why Kasuga? It's a fascinating question to consider as we're thinking about Kasuga's character. What is his value proposition for someone like Ayukawa who could undoubtedly have nearly any man she wanted? In the past, I thought it was kind of silly. It was kind of unrealistic that a character like Ayukawa would fall in love with a goofball like Kasuga, who's so unremarkable in all of these respects. And she doesn't even know that he's got ESP. That's remarkable. That's more remarkable than all these other dudes. But she doesn't know about that, or at least she's not supposed to. So I thought maybe she liked him because he's safe. Like he didn't push her to go out with him or to have sex with him in the way that a lot of the male delinquent characters do. I think one of the characters even says, you can be my bitch, which is uh, not a great opening line. If you're going to ask a woman out. That's not a good one to lead with. I'm just going to throw that out there. Not a good one to open with. And the fact that Kasuga was safe really never seemed like enough to me. I don't think she fell in love with Kasuga solely because he's a nice guy. So as I've rewatched Orange Road again and again in recent years, I've paid closer attention to Kasuga's finer points and tried to pick up on what exactly Ayukua likes about him. I called Kasuga a goofball a couple of times already, and I think that's a major component of his appeal to Ayukua. How many times has he fallen and gotten a mop bucket stuck on his head? How many times has he tripped or slipped or otherwise made himself look like an idiot? Nearly every single time he does, Ayukua gets a laugh. If we pay attention, every time he falls over, every time he slips, trips, lands on something, something lands on him, somebody punks him, she thinks it's funny. Independent of Kasuga, Ayukawa is such a serious character, actually rather dour, but but Kasuga consistently makes her laugh, and is pretty much the only one to do so. He alone is able to connect with her mirthful, fun-loving side. She doesn't need Kasuga to be like her. She's already athletic and sophisticated and smart, She doesn't need a carbon copy of herself. What she needs in her life is somebody who balances those things out. So it's almost like an opposites attract kind of thing. She likes him because he's funny. She likes him because he makes her laugh. There's something about the significance of their names. Uh, I've avoided talking about it on this podcast because it kind of strikes me as trivia that Everybody knows it was printed in the Animago liner notes from the early 90s when they first published the Orange Road OVA on VHS. So it's always been something that I considered to be almost like a piece of Wikipedia trivia or IMDb trivia. Everybody already knows this, but 
The significance of her name is that the river filled with this trout-like fish that they'll shimmer in the sunlight, but the sun has to shine on them. But that's part of Casca's name. It's part of the kanji in, in Casca's name. So it's clear that Matsumoto intended for Casca to be read as the type of person who brings out a more uh, mirthful or joyful side of Ayukua. I mean, that's, that's certainly intended from the outset by uh, Matsumoto Izumi. Now, in addition to Kasuga's humorous charisma, I also presume that he's not ugly. He's only ever referred to as ugly by Hayako Mitsuru, who has an inflated and egocentric view of himself. So I think he called Kasuga's face ugly more out of shock and frustration at being in a different body than his own, and not that Casca is objectively ugly. There are other references to his looks that tend to portray him as rather unremarkable, such as when he meets Akane's friends in an unexpected situation OVA. They don't call him ugly, they just kind of say he's bland. So I think it's very safe to say that he's not strikingly handsome like Hayakawa, but neither is he ugly. And his character design reinforces that. Komatsu and Hata are more of the ugly or unattractive characters. They have a lot of ugly qualities, personal qualities, behaviors that they consistently espouse. And so they're also drawn as somewhat unattractive on the outside too. Like the outside reflects the inside. Those are our unattractive characters. Their design is unattractive. Casca's design is much more favorable than theirs. Find a screenshot of the three of them standing side by side, and you can see what I mean. Komatsu's kind of gangly looking, uh, not super fashionable, particularly with the hair. Hata is bespectacled, overweight. They're clearly intending for Casca to look good in comparison to his two so-called friends. In addition, Casca tends to dress in a way that is fairly stylish and trendy, at least within Orange Road's diegetic world of the 1980s. Nor is Kasuga out of touch with popular film and music of that world. Like, he knows what concerts to go to. He sometimes gets free tickets. He's got a CD player. He knows what type of music to play that other people like. He's into stuff that other people are into in terms of pop culture. So there's a fair chance that Ayukua likely feels a physical attraction to Kasuga as well, which would also be enhanced by his ability to make her laugh and to make her feel happy. Finally, it is true that Kasuga is safe in a lot of ways. He might get you stuck on a deserted island, see episode 19, but he's not going to try to touch you or pressure you into anything sexual, episode 35 notwithstanding. I know you're looking at me thinking, episode 35, he did try to take nude pictures of Ayukawa, and he was rather forcible about it. That's really the only time that Kasaka acts as a sexual aggressor. And you'd think that episode was written by a marginal writer, but nope, Terada Kenji is responsible for Kasaka's only rapey episode. So by and large, I think Ayukawa does appreciate that Kasuga is safe in the sense that he doesn't see her as a sex object, nor does he treat her as a conquest. Of course, we know that Ayukawa is certainly interested in her sexually. We see visual cues and edits and camera pans that Kasuga very much notices Ayukawa's body. I mentioned in episode 17, he appreciates her cleavage there in the library. 
he's a teenage boy after all. Portraying him as a being with sexual desires is absolutely realistic. So I don't think it's problematic that Kasuga glances at her body. This is the girl that he wants to date. Because his interest in her as a whole person is evident to the viewer as well as to Ayukawa. So I think it's a, a major reason she appreciates Kasuga as a partner. She can trust him. He's not just after sex. And her ability to trust him is how he gets so close to her over the course of the series. So to bring the discussion of the character of Kasuga Kyosuke back around to a conclusion, I think that Kasuga is frequently mischaracterized. He's inappropriately vilified for being indecisive when I don't actually think that's true. I think he's simply navigating a difficult situation without any prior romantic experience to guide him. He's also sometimes accused of being a bland everyman character to act as an audience proxy, but I disagree with that too. And I think if we're paying close enough attention, there's a lot going on with Casca. The fact that he's so relatable simply means that the authors were successful in crafting his character, not that he's some kind of blank canvas for the viewer. Because by and large, Kasuga is consistently depicted, even by all of the various writers that worked on the show. Of course, there are times where he's portrayed as a little bit more silly, like in episode 11, Don't Ring the Wedding Bell. He's a pretty big doofus, especially at the end of the episode. He makes a equal laugh in that episode, too, when he shows up with the slick back hair and the suit and tie on. She thinks he's a goofball. She laughs. That was a good move on his part. He was being a doofus, but he made her laugh. And if you can make a girl laugh, I'm telling you guys. There are also times when he's quite serious, like in I Want to Return to That Day. But even in those two examples I just gave, when you consider them chronologically, it shows his development into a more mature character. Episode 11 is a fairly early episode. He's acting like a doofus. He's still pretty insecure about where he stands with Ayukawa. And, and he's got quite a task that he needs to take care of in that film. Ultimately, Kasuga's arc in developing a sense of confidence and security with Ayukawa over the course of the series as their relationship blossoms is the true joy of Orange Road. That's what keeps us hooked. That's what keeps us tuning in and watching and rewatching the show over and over and over again in the 40 years since it first aired. And I don't think that Orange Road works as well as it does if Kasuga's characterization were much different than it is. I don't think you can make big changes to Kasuga's character. I don't think you can make him a different person and still have the success that Orange Road achieves. And speaking of achieving some success, if you want to throw me a dime, well, it's more like Tree Fitty. But if you want to join the Team Almy Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Team Almy. And I would appreciate the hell out of you if you did. So much so that I'm going to send you swag in the mail. Absolutely. I got Christmas cards that are going out pretty soon. You guys might already have received them by the time you listen to this, but I send out Christmas cards to the patrons. Why not, right? Um, also, early releases. This episode was released early on the Patreon. Uh, we're going to be starting next year. We're going to be starting some watch alongs. We're going to do some live viewings of some episodes. Uh, we're going to go through the series together. We're going to watch it live and uh, formulate some commentary tracks. And the live videos will be archived as well on the Patreon. So please check out patreon.com slash Team Almy for more fun Orange Road stuff. And I will send you some original Orange Road stickers that you can't get anywhere else. Those are pretty cool. For outro music this week, 
I have an original instrumental cover of my favorite Orange Road track, Orange Mystery. Musician is Daniel Morales Gutierrez. Please check out his YouTube channel called Carajillo Music. I'll leave a link to his channel in the show notes, so go click it. Dude is sick and his cover slaps, so get on it. I'll be back talking about Ayukua next time, so stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening to this one. I love you. I love my patrons. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>